If you'd like to look at the scripture we're going to look at in Revelation chapter, chapter 12. And in this passage, I'd like to minister on three weapons against the devil. Now, we're victims of a battle. And whether we care it, like it or not, we're not going to get away uh, from this truth that we are in spiritual warfare. And whether the United States wants to admit it or not, we're at war. Amen. And so I think it's important that we use all the armor and all the artillery and everything God gives us to overcome. Especially if you've just been saved recently, I'm preaching to you tonight. If you're young in the Lord, I trust that you get what's being said tonight. It will help you. Probably some here tonight, this doesn't surprise you. You've heard this before and you know these truths. But truth is something that always has to be believed and acted upon. It's not like we get away, we walk our way, and it's uh, ours, we don't have to worry. It's something, the basics stay with us. Can you say amen? And so we're looking at Revelation chapter 12 and verse number 11. And they overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb, and because of the word of their testimony. And they did not love their life even when faced with death. For this reason, rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, knowing that he has only a short time. I know that even though many people don't believe it, the devil knows that he has a short time, and that we're really living in perilous times, precarious times. The scripture talks about this being the day or the last days. And so we're seeing so much happen today. Never in my lifetime have I ever seen such a global economic issue. And I know the folks here have not really, I don't think, faced the difficulty with the economy as in some places. It seems to me like it's doing pretty good here in Texas. But I'm sure there are people who feel the pressure. And everywhere you go, they're talking. Wow, things are different. Things are happening. They're, they're without recourse. We don't know what to do about it. And so when it comes to realizing this, we have to know how to defend ourselves or how to come against the powers of darkness. Amen. So he says here, you overcame by the blood of the Lamb. And so there are just three simple weapons that I want to give you tonight. The blood of Jesus. All the powers of darkness, Satan cannot penetrate the precious blood of Jesus. It still has power. And then the faith. This is the victory that we have in that we have faith. And then last of all, something that's very difficult for many people who go to church, and that is a sacrifice of praise. So here he says, you've overcome by the blood of the Lamb. God said concerning Egypt and the Israelites... He gave a warning and he said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And so the sign that really broke Pharaoh's back and defeated the powers of darkness was that they were told, put the blood over your doorpost. And those who do not, then the death angel will pass through. And when he passes through, those that did not put the blood over their doorpost, the scripture says the firstborn would die. 
And that night there was weeping and crying all over Egypt because many of them disregarded the power that would be in the blood of a lamb. You know, the blood of Jesus is in type in the Old Testament, and it is indeed what it does in the New Testament. So Peter calls it the precious blood of Jesus. I remember years ago saying to a pastor, you know, I plead the blood of Jesus, and he countered me with, I don't believe that. I don't believe that's scriptural. But there was another older pastor there, and he said, yes, there's something about knowing the precious blood and pleading the blood of Jesus. Death and destruction could not touch the home where the blood was on the door. Friends, I want you to know today that the blood of Jesus is powerful over our lives. He protects us from death and destruction. There's still tremendous power with our families. Many nights as our family was growing up, I'd get up in the night, couldn't sleep, and I'd walk the floors and say, Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Cover this home. Cover this family. I believe you're going to protect us, oh Lord, the blood of Jesus. Our only daughter, Dionza, who's married to Mario now, and they're in Phoenix. She wanted me to pray for her and before we'd go to bed at night. And I'd go in there and she'd say, Dad, pray for me. And so I would pray for her and I'd lay my hands on her and I'd just begin to pray a sweet prayer. And she would, she would take my hand and she'd go, and I, what do you, she said, pray a strong prayer. Pray, pray a strong prayer. So I'd pray and I said, oh, Jesus, give her big dreams. I pray the blood of Jesus over her. I pray that you cover her. And it's amazing how God honors the blood of Jesus over our lives. Amen. The blood of Jesus saved from Pharaoh. The blood of Jesus saves from the devil. And so the blood brought them out of bondage. Oh, friends, I'm telling you the truth. There are some people, they are so hounded and tormented with all the past and everything. There's one answer, and that answer is the precious blood of Jesus. Where there's an infection, amen. Where there's an infection, I can tell you something. You pull that splinter out, and suddenly it begins to heal. It's the same thing. You take an antibiotic, and something happens in your being, and you begin to sense healing is coming. That's why for years we would sing in our churches, Oh, the blood of Jesus. It washes as white as snow. People that would lift their hands had just gotten saved, coming out of darkness and life of, of depravity, would lift their hands and know, oh, the blood of Jesus, it cleanses. We need the blood of Jesus every day. Amen. Hallelujah. It will defeat Satan. It will take us out of our bondage. It will take us into our destiny. We'll never get beyond that. Never will we take it out of our songs. We believe it has power to defeat the enemy and take us on through to our destiny. There's another weapon that God gives us, and that's the weapon of faith. And this is the victory, the Scripture says, that overcomes the world, even our faith. Now, there's a lot said about faith today. I've never seen so many teachers uh, today that are teaching on faith that have such a shallow faith. I want to see somebody that's got faith line up Impossible cases and pray for them. Amen. Amen. And see what God can do. Raymond T. Ritchie said that healing is the dinner bell for salvation. 
And so when people are healed, when lives are being changed and the powers of darkness fall from the minds and the hearts of people, there's something more at work there than just church and business as usual and some great faith teacher. You just missed a good place to say amen right there. Amen. Oh, now don't you get sideways with me if you're visiting today. Let me tell you something. I'm, I've been around a while. Amen. And I can tell you the truth. Uh, there are many people have their misplaced faith in their faith. And there are some that have faith in uh, human beings. And some have faith in the government. God save you if you do. But the truth is God has given us promises in his word. And they are indeed real. You say, what's wrong with just confessing, confessing, confessing? Because the Holy Spirit takes a scripture and turns it in from a logos to a rhema, which means it is specifically timed at that moment for my life. Amen. I've dealt with people for years, pastor to church, where I've dealt with people that uh, claim to be people of faith and uh, could uh, say something enough and they could get it. I want you to know something. I've seen the shipwrecked lives of people who thought they could just say it and have it, and it didn't come to pass. Amen. Faith that God is God. The Bible says, have faith in God. Have faith in God. That's the difference than just saying the Scripture and claiming, 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 say it, say it, say it, because the Holy Spirit takes a word. Many times I've written it in my Bible or dated it in my Bible and said, I believe the Holy Spirit speaking this to me. There are promises in the Word of God. Now, I want to show you something that I believe the Holy Spirit told me. This week, I believe it was so real to me, and it was like a renewed promise. And that is that God does something in us when we read the Word of God. There are things we don't know what to expect. They're down the pike, so to speak. They're coming our way. We don't know what's going to take place. But the Word of God comes in just in time and begins to help us through that situation and prevail and overcome. They overcame. There are two kinds of people, those that are overcome and those that are overcomers. And so when it comes to life and facing the issues of life and those things that we don't expect, it is valuable to have read the Word of God, marked the Word of God, and make it a part of your life. I ministered last night on manna that came from heaven. Manna comes from heaven when we are placed right. And there's something wonderful. Oh, if I could just get this through. There's something wonderful that happens in us when we, in the morning, open our Bible and begin to read the Word of God. Begin to read something out of Psalms, something out of Proverbs. Today's the 24th of September, so I read Proverbs 24. Tomorrow I'll read Proverbs 35, 25. And so the Word of God prepares us for the future. There are promises. Quote these promises. Read them. Claim them. Sing about them. Because there are promises in the Word of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Psalm 32, 8 is a powerful verse of Scripture. And here's what it says. I will teach you and instruct you in the way you should go. This is a word for you, Marvin. I will teach you and instruct you in the way you should go. I will counsel you or guide you with my eye upon you. Oh, that's a fantastic promise that God would teach us and guide us and counsel us as we're going through life. What a fantastic thing. Isaiah says, no weapon that is formed against thee can prosper. 
That's a tremendous promise. And if I'm going through the fire and everything seems to be against me, you know the Word of God comes back to me and I begin to hold on to that promise. The Bible says in Psalm 37, 1, Fret not thyself because of evildoers. How many have got some evildoers around you? Evildoers. Fret not thyself. Oh, that's a powerful promise. Because of evildoers. Fret not thyself, young lady. Because of evildoers. You're in there. You came tonight. It's good to see you. Raise your hand right there, hon. It fret not. Here's a word from the Holy Spirit. Fret not thyself because of evildoers. For they shall pass away and, they as, and wither as the green herb. In other words, it will seem as if nothing ever even happened to you that you'll be free from the worry and the chaotic uh, conditions that come with that. Hallelujah. Look away to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. He is the way. He's the truth. He's the life. And I can tell you now that when people look to Jesus, something happens. I've never claimed to heal anybody, but I've seen so many people healed, so many miracles and breakthroughs in people's lives. Why? Not because they look to me or any preacher, but they look to Jesus. When you look to Jesus, you get what Jesus can do. When you look to man, you get what man can do. But with God, all things are possible with God. That's where our hearts are at rest with God. I remember, as Pastor said last night, we needed a building for our church. And I'd heard there was a, a grocery store that used to be in business, but it had closed, and this monster of a building had, had set empty. And weeds had grown up around it. It was uh, falling down. And I went over, and I said, Oh, God, what would you have me do? And I felt in my heart, I'm going to walk around this building, and I'm going to lay hands on this building and believe God. I didn't have the money, but I had a word from God. That's the difference. And so I walked around that building, and then I got a hold of these men from Ohio and said, I'm interested in buying this building. They said, all right, we'll come and see you. So they flew out to Colorado Springs. I remember they were sitting in my office, and they said, well, uh, Pastor, what do, you, what do you want to give for that building? Now, I have never bought anything like that. You know, I want to ask them, what do you want for the building? And then I can handle what, ha what comes my way. But I, uh, but I said, well, I'd like, to, I'd like to have it. And they said, how much do you want to give? I said, I'll give you 650000 They smiled and chuckled. and They said, can't you come up a little bit? I said, well, I believe 650000 is what I ought to pay for. And they said, well, we, we can't deal with that. Can you come to six seventy five? I said, no, six fifty is my price. They got up and left. Next thing I heard is they gave me a call, or I called them rather, and I said, how's it with the building? They said, we've sold it. And I said, what'd you get for it? They said, six seventy-five. Oh, my heart was broken. You know, God's amazing. He is the God of the second chance. Amen. Not the third, because he always, amen forgives and, and uh, forgives and forgets the first problem and now he's the God of the second chance always. Amen. How many have had several second chances? <laughs> and I have too. And you know what? I said, well, uh, what, you're going to have 675. They said, yeah, but we've sold it. I said, well, here's my number if anything changes there. Soon they called me back 
and they said, the man that bought this building wants us to put a new roof. It'll cost 130000 to put a new roof on this building. And he wants us to do it included in the 675. I said, he said, do you want the building? I said, let me call you right back. I called my dad over in Grand Junction. He's got an eighth grade education, eighth grade. He said, if it wasn't for us men that with an eighth grade education, you college graduates wouldn't even have a job. Amen. Come on, say amen, somebody. It's not the might, power, or all wisdom. Of, it's the Holy Spirit that makes things happen. I said, what do I do, Dad? He said, take it. I called him back. I said, I'll take it. They said, all right. I don't know how in the world I bought that thing. I, it had to be a miracle. Because we, we needed a, almost a, a, a total two, $2 million by the time we got the down and then remodeled it. And it was a mess. So we had to put about, uh, I don't know, $1,300,000 close to it in there. Now I've got a $15,000 a month building payment. Now that'll make you add water to the gravy. <laughs> Amen. You begin to think about that. It'll keep you up at night. And I just said, Lord, I'm not going to let this get me down. And I'm going to continue to praise you and believe you. And you said in your word that you would supply. And I'm believing that. I'm taking you at your word. Amen. Well, we, st we started reaching some people that were involved with gangs. And gangs are a problem. You guys don't have gangs here in Dallas. But all right, you have gangs here. Amen. Folks do drugs over here? A lot. Huh? How many used to be hooked? Let me see your hands. Yeah, look at this. Good night. Where's my wallet? Oh, left it in the car. I, I want you to know that one of those gang members got saved. They had him on television. He was a, quite known in, in the system and in the prisons in Colorado. And uh, a family came and they said, we want to help you. They didn't even go to our church. They said, we want to help you. And I'm wary of that because I've had all kinds of things. I've had people that think that they're millionaires and they won the Reader's Digest something and they won some sweepstake and they come in there and they say, Pastor, well, I've just won this. And that, you know what I'm saying. A lot of people uh, blowing hot air. I, I thought, what in the world is this going to be like? And they said, well, we want to pay off your building. I knew that was close to $2 million. I said, well, I can't take it. I'm going to have to talk to your lawyer. So I flew to another state, and I promised these people that I wouldn't repeat who they are, and so I uh, keep my word there. I flew to another state, went to lunch with their attorney, and uh, as we're sitting there, he said, well, Reverend, what do you want? I said, well, I need to ask you about this money. Uh, there's been this amount that's needed, and they want to pay off the building. And he said, hey, what do you want to know? I said, well, let's take someone's inheritance. I want you to know integrity will get you through. It'll get you through. Amen. And somebody said, well, people who have money, they're all crooks. Not so. A lot of people who have resources are honest, and that's why they're blessed. But the truth is, thank you, brother. And so the truth is, I said, we don't want to take their inheritance. Here's what he said. He took his hand like this. He said, they'll never miss it. Now, that's quite a chunk of change. And they paid that thing off. We burned that note in a service. I want you to know God. Have faith in God. That's the difference in just spewing words. Have faith in God. He is the answer. Can you say amen? There's another weapon besides uh, the blood and the victory that comes through our faith. 
and that is uh, it's also the weapon of praise. And there's something here that I, I'd like to bring out that's different than just a praise subject. Everybody believes in praise. We all believe in praise and worship, of course. But in the Word of God, in the warfare and the time of conflict in Israel, something happened in a crisis. And it's in a crisis that we miss it because we complain and we want to talk uh, to a lot of people about it. We want to complain instead of going to the throne. How many know we go to the phone? And we talk about the problem and talk about the problem and talk. And so when it, when it comes to this business of praise, Israel was en route to their destiny. And in Exodus chapter 17, they meet their enemy Amalek. Amalek and Israel are having it out down in the valley area. And so the story is that as soon as Moses lifted his hands, they began to prevail over Amalek and began to win. It was amazing as they did this. And then when his hands got tired and he brought his arms down, then Amalek began to win. Now that's in there for a reason. And so it is that one man, uh, Aaron, got on one side, and her, I wouldn't name a man her, but that was his name, got on the other side. Aaron and her, and her, her, her held those hands up, and they would win the victory. There, are conflicts in life. There are times where I want to say, oh, why are we going through this? I don't understand this. But the Bible says in Israel's warfare, they set the singers at the forefront of the battle. Because they did that, the Bible says that God inhabits the praises of his people and there was confusion in the enemy's ranks and victory was won. It's easy to praise God when you got plenty of money, your health is good, and nothing's nobody, everybody likes you, amen, and you don't have any enemies, but it's in the conflict. The Bible says, oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness, for his wonderful works to the children of men. Now, when we praise God, I, preach, I believe that one of the services on the mercy of God and how they would sing about the mercy of God, the mercy of God. And it uh, filled the temple, the glory of God. Well, when we are praising God for his goodness and his wonderful works, even in the trial, even when it looks dark and there's no answer and you're scared. How many, is it, how many know what it is to be afraid when the doctor gives you a bad report? I know about that. But I also know there's another doctor. Amen. Amen. And I also know that doctors bury their mistakes. Amen. Amen. I appreciate doctors. So there's a lot of Christians who wouldn't be alive if it wasn't for doctors. But the fact of the matter is, when you get that report, fear just goes right through you. It does. And you're thinking, oh my, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I preached every night for a long time, and I had a throat issue where... It was, it was bad. I went into the doctor, and he said, you've got a serious issue right here, and I'm going to have to put a needle, and I'm not exaggerating, about an inch or an inch and a half long, and I'm going to have to pull the, the infection out. Pardon me for saying, but the pus out. You know, it hurt. Man, it hurt. He got through, and he said, now you're going to have to have those tonsils taken out. 
I thought to myself, God put those in there. <laughs> now, I know some people, when their kids get to a certain age, they just run them in and get, all their, get their, their tonsils taken out. And I said uh, to the doctor, are you sure? He said, I don't have a doubt. Absolutely. I said, well, let me tell you something. I know another doctor who's a specialist, and his name is Jesus. That's right. I told him that. I've had other times. You know what? I've never, I still got those tonsils in there. I'm going to keep them. They're going up in a rapture. Those tonsils, those tonsils are going up with Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm, th listen, there are more quack doctors in Colorado than you can shake a stick at. And I thank God. I've got a good surgeon friend that's there in Colorado, but I still, uh, I, I don't go to doctors. As a matter of fact, I'm, let me just say this for what it's worth. My dad's 90 years old, and he said a doctor there told him, stay away from doctors. The doctor told him that. And I've got folks in our church, they just run in that doctor's office every other week, every month, hoping they can find something. You know what doctors are? They're like mechanics. They're looking for something. They've got to find something. They've got to find. You've got high blood pressure. You need rest. You're going to be six foot under. You need to take care of this. You need to drink so much water. What in the world? Why don't we just say, what, tell me what I need to do that makes sense. I don't want to keep coming back. But they like to go. They love it. They love it. Running there like a cocker spaniel, jump up on that table, <laughs> trying to find something wrong. Amen. My wife, years ago, thought that she had an issue, breast issue with a lump. And this, we weren't but about 31 years old at the time. And she went to the doctor. And the doctor said, you don't have anything. She said, well, it looks like it. And kept going. doctor said, you don't have anything. She said, it looks like it. And finally, one morning, this actually happened. I was praying about it. And the Lord gave me a word of knowledge. When I spoke that word of knowledge to her, instantly she was healed. And she never had, she still got all Marie there. Thank God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let me move right along now. <laughs> you know, my dad is an entrepreneur. We're entrepreneurs by nature. We don't work well for people. Amen. Because we want to run the show. How many know what I'm talking about? We want to call the shots. Amen. I've always made more money working for myself than I did having a boss. And so it is that you usually work harder if you work for it by yourself. But it's more fun. And he had a, he had a sewer business, a septic tank business. And I, so I was working with him. My brother and I were working with him. And I'm talking about praise as a sacrifice. We would get in that old sewer truck. Dad always had these orange slices. I don't know if you've ever seen those orange slices, sugar on them. And he loved those things. He'd have a bag of them, but he'd been pumping these sewers and cleaning these lines out. And he reached in that bag and kept reaching in that bag. And actually, it didn't look very good. It looked pretty bad. He'd say, you want some candy, Ronnie? I said, no, I think I'll pass. <laughs> and then he'd, about noon would come. One o'clock would come. I got to look at that candy. Reached over there and got me one of those things. And you know what happened? We, we loved working with our dad. But one day, he had a, he had a sewer truck that was built like a, like a roof. It was pitched like that and like a house. And it, it would pump from the engine, and it, it got to pumping, pumping so hard that that thing caved in on all sides, boom, like that. Just like it sounded like a, a bomb went off. My dad, in those overalls, 
And here he is. He looked at that. And he jumped up in the air as soon as he heard that boom. And he said, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. <laughs> Amen. Just like that. You know what happened? He bought another truck and sold it and made a lot of profit. Folks, I want you to know that when you're willing to praise God in your crisis, complaining is addictive. It's a curse. It's addictive. Oh, the economy says, I know what it is. Oh, this has happened. That's an ISA. Listen, we're, we're going to knock their lights out before it's over. Amen. Oh, this is bad. This is bad. Let me tell you something. A lot of bad in every generation. But there's always a remnant who will praise God and praise pleases the heart of God. Did any, did any of you see that, uh, that uh, uh, YouTube with those Marines singing? Huh? Was that good? Oh, what's the name of that? God of Days of Elijah. I'm telling you what, I could, I could shout. I saw that or heard that, and they were singing that. Wow, they were singing it. I said, oh, turn those men loose over there in the Middle East. Oh, God, hallelujah. They had victory. They sang that. Whoa, it was good. Make you want to shout. There's something about in trouble. Praise pleases the heart of God. Amen. It honors God's word. It magnifies the power of the blood of Jesus. And it defeats the powers of darkness that are against us. So when there's, here's a secret. Here's a revelation. People who have victory and joy are those people who have learned the secret of the sacrifice of praise. Of the sacrifice of praise. When darkness comes, everything is wrong and it seems uh, hopeless. There is a sacrifice of praise that brings victory and complete deliverance. There really is. That's the hardest for me is when it looks bad. Amen. I want to call dad. I want to talk to Marie. I want to talk to somebody when in fact I have to offer what the Bible says unto the Lord a sacrifice of praise. Can you do that? Dear, you can do that. I tell you, we can do that. It doesn't matter. Oh, we're in an old remodeled uh, uh, nightclub. Amen. People used to get drunk in here. Now we just get full of the Holy Ghost. Praise God. Now God's turned this into something good. Praise God. I wish the owner would give you this building. Amen. Or somebody would say, what do you need? Let's get this thing going. But the sacrifice of praise, even the fruit of the lips, giving thanks unto his name. And there is a breaking up in that of the, of the powers and the forces of darkness in a sacrifice of praise. And let me tell you something. I watched my dad do a lot of deals. He never had buyer's remorse. He'd take a lemon and turn it into lemonade. He'd take an adversity and thank God and praise God and somehow the Lord would make that thing work. And all those years, I saw that all because he was a praiser. Now, here's the Bible fool, and I'll close. These people were in a crisis. They marched around the walls of Jericho, and the seventh day, they shouted. Gideon had 300, and they shouted out and defeated the Midianites. David faced Goliath, and David shouted victory against the enemy. Our Lord Jesus Christ, dying on the cross, cried out, It is finished. He cried it out. 
And he just, oh, they say the Romans killed him. They say that all these other things. No, he just refused to take another breath. No man took his life. He was destined to the cross before the foundation of the world. He knew that God was going to come through. And somehow, even in his crisis, he said, It is finished into thy hands. I commend my spirit. And three days later, hallelujah, God raised him from the dead. He's alive tonight. He's real tonight. Hallelujah. Let me just tell you something. He's seated at the right hand of the Father, and he's coming back. We've got an electronic sign. I told Elena, put on that sign. Jesus is coming soon. Amen. He's coming back. He's the Lord. He's the King. No one, no nation, no cult, no, no ism it can rise to his stature. He's the Lord. He is God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Our God is God. Amen. His name's not Allah. Amen. Muhammad is a false prophet. Amen. And a pedophile besides. And he's a result of a man's mistake. But I can tell you today, Jesus Christ has a plan. It's in place. And God has everything under control. Just five words. We ought to lift our voices and shout and praise God. We're living in the greatest day ever. The time has come. We're the generation that are watching all the culmination of all these prophecies in the Middle East and Israel and all these signs that are happening. We're the generation. Amen. I'm not looking for a hole in the ground. I'm looking for a hole in the sky. Hallelujah. Jesus is coming back. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you tonight. For who you are, the Lord of all and master of everything. There's no illness, sickness, disease that you cannot heal. There's no crisis or adversity or relational issue that you cannot fix. We know tonight, Lord, in whom we've believed, that's in Jesus Christ, the Alpha, the Omega, the ever-living, miracle-working Jesus. Oh, yesterday, today, and forever the same. Jesus, we thank you tonight for speaking in this place.